good people of Los Angeles, tonight on the FC FC pod, if you like photos, if you like images, if you like wiggly dancing, we've got <laughs> stories of Dortmund, stories of photos, stories of Imad, the club photographer, the man you've seen Big or haven't yet. seen, the man who's definitely seen you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> With okay. his long lenses. Yo, Dewey's getting in there. And his other things. We've got so many fun topics we touched on tonight. And if you like this pod, Slim, <laughs> please leave a review. Is that what I'm supposed to That's say? That's usually how it goes. I'm trying to learn how to self-promote, guys. Slim, hit him with the warning. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of Dewey's pad. There was no Pandolce truck today. There was no helicopter today. We did have an angry black man outside. And the potty mouth is back. So if you're around children or around work. Sensitive I see, ears. I haven't done it in a week. I'm all messed up. Guys, I'm cussing on the pod. So if you don't think you should be around cussing, don't listen. Voila. FCFC. <laughs> FC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. Your boy is back. Back in the backyard. We are your hosts as per usual. I am Slim. Sitting across from me is Big Dweez with his, what year is that? 84 Olympics. 84 Olympics Los bucket Olympics. hat. Just flexing on fools. If you walk through Expo Park and you see all those cement benches, that like line the areas around the stadium. Uh-huh. This disappearing red, white, and blue star little faded logo, I'm logo which I also have on my hat. Right and that is all. I'm happy you're back, by the way, Slim. Thank you, kind sir. <laughs> and to my left, Asian Jesus is in the backyard. I'm not happy you're back. I thought Dewey's and I did a great job last week. So. I don't know. Lindsay and Mark sounded like they were bored as shit talking to you. Yo, I saw them no, at the. Not how it's I saw them at Come the on. council <laughs> meeting that Friday, and they were like, "Where were you?" They were so polite back there. Don't come on, man. Have a little bit of flagrancy nah, in your nah, bones, bro. Nah, nah, nah. Like, let's not be overly polite back here. Nah, nah, we don't need you. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we don't need you. It's fine. Your ass is leaving New York. <laughs> Stay your ass in New Jersey where you belong. Hey, shout out. And we have a very special <laughs> guest today. The Eye of the North End. Oh, Larry David behind the camera. <laughs> That's the best compliment I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Mister. Imad, he told me his last name before we started this, but I smoked a bowl and forgot. <laughs> B. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. That's fine. Thank hey. you. Thank you. Full of talk. Welcome. Thanks for having welcome, me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Cheers, cheers, cheers. It's a great introduction. Thank you. I know I should ask you to be like, hey, just one more time. Can we get the last name one more time? Because you were like, you were looking pretty confident, but I was like, I'm not sure if he really remembers this. No, man, I did for like five seconds. Hell yeah. And then Let's it was go. gone. Well, Imad, welcome to the backyard. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is, uh, I'm in good company right here. This is also just like 
my favorite time of year for hanging out in the backyard. I think the weather is just delightful. <laughs> weather <laughs> talk! <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, right this is how people catch colds, man. It's hot as shit in the daytime, and then it's cold as shit at night. This is, this is a vibe. I like this. Yeah. This is definitely a vibe. So, uh, go ahead, please. I mean, if you've been listening to any of the recent pods, you should probably know we've gotten to a little rhythm here of prodding for people's first football memories. First football memories. Um... So, I went to Turkey, uh, don't remember the year, but I remember I went to a Fenerbahce game with my cousin. Wow. Uh, and it was a friendly. And I believe, I think I think I still actually like have the ticket, but it was against Red Star Belgrade. Mm. And I just remember their supporters being absolutely crazy. Vocal for the full 90, jumping up and down, uh-huh. flares, like all that stuff. I just remember leaving with a sense of like, like, uh, I need to be following this. Mm. I need to be paying attention to this. Um, and that was a friendly. Mm. Yeah. So uh, ever since then, I was hooked. And, you know, my mom's a, a Fenerbahce fan. My dad is a Galatasaray fan. So, if, I mean, they're pretty big on the world stage as it is. Mm. So uh, having that in the house when I was growing up was, it was, it was just fun to follow, really. So... So back me up. How old are you when you're at that game? Uh, I'll have to dig through and find the ticket. I actually don't remember. But I'll probably say anywhere from like maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And was like this sport a part of your life already at that point? Was it like family members and other people were into it and you were kind of like distant or what was your relationship with it yeah my mom grew i mean my mom grew up in turkey so she was always a Fenerbahce fan same thing with my dad he was like a Latisari fan so you know we didn't have like satellite tv or anything back then but they would always you know talk to family over in turkey get the results and just kind of like discuss like what was going on players that were playing etc and you know it was always like secondhand and then going to Turkey, obviously, just kind of like woke me up to like the actual culture of like soccer. Because by that point, I didn't really know anything about it. I just knew, you know, these are two teams that are pretty popular. But actually seeing that and experiencing that for the first time woke me up to like an actual like soccer culture. And these two are both Istanbul teams. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's a third big Beşiktaş. team. Yeah. Beşiktaş, yeah. In Istanbul, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. all three are there. All three are there, pretty close proximity to each other. I just remembered, like, this crazy carrot juice. That's, like, my golden memory from, from uh, <laughs> my time there. Give to any location in the world, he'll give you his Seriously, what the so, fuck haven't you been? So, there's a lot of places, but, like, You're Istanbul so is great. I had, like, a great time. <laughs> We, I, I used to do this thing. Probably. Hey guys, I'm not I, I'm not like a trust fund kid. I did all this through a website called Couchsurfing.com, where you stay on other people's couches for free, and it's pretty weird. And you put yourself in some pretty weird circumstances. Yeah, but I the had guy a, in I Turkey had a Korean was, homegirl from Korea do that in Europe as well. I yeah. was like, you're fucking out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. For, it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's not. But if it's for you, Asian girl. If it, ah, but no, but you know what? The very first person I ever couchsurfed at. She was like this very, she was a German, like blonde girl who looked like she couldn't like handle herself if anything, if push ever came to shove. Uh-huh. And she like did it all around the world in like a year. That's and she was just like amazing. so careful. And I was just like, okay, I have nothing to be scared of then. If she's like have willing to go. One question. Put herself in those did you go with that bucket hat? I wish I had. Okay. I didn't have this bucket hat. At okay. The time. Right. But um, no, but getting back to Istanbul, I was there with the <laughs> homie. Pierce was with me. Of Shout course. out to Pierce. Of course. We know you listen to the pod. 
And we went to a Turkish bath as well, which was great. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it's the carrot juice that sticks out, and I didn't get to see any football. But <laughs> solid Turkish memory. <laughs> but years later, here I am in the backyard thinking about Besiktas and their the odd team out between the two teams of your parents' love. Why does your mom? Well, were they born into those fandoms, or did they select them? Yeah, no, I mean, they were born into it, Like, but it's dependent on where you're born. So if you're born in a specific region of Istanbul, then you're more than likely going to be a Fenerbahce fan, or a Galatasaray fan, or a Besiktas fan. So it's not, like, unlike here for any other sport, you know? And, uh, you know, the my grandmother was also a Fenerbahce fan, and, like, my cousin... Uh, her dad is a Galatasaray fan, so you know you just grow into it. So it kind of depends on what region you grow up in. And Istanbul itself is separated in, into like two halves, right? Like Correct. There's yeah. Like the, Asia, the, the Asia side and the yeah, the Europe A- side. Yeah, the Asian side is massive, and then the European side is really, really tiny, but really concentrated. And which are are the all three of those teams on one or two of the sides? Or are they spread out even between those? Do you think? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I think they're all on the European side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what, because I think even um, my knowledge of Turkish football really, and this is how ignorant I was, but um, when Wesley Schneider was supposed to go to United for every transfer window, and then he went to Galatasaray, and yeah. we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but then um, they got big to, players. They yeah, got like yeah. Drogba was there. Exactly. Right. Podolsky, was getting, there. Podolsky was there. Yeah. These these large players. And then um, I saw uh, Besiktas uh, Championship Parade, and I guess what they do in Turkey or in Istanbul specifically is like they just do a championship parade down this canal and then where this huge boat with all the players go down and then all the supporters are lining the like tens of thousands of them are lighting flares on the side of the yeah. canal or a river or something. A lot safer than a than a bus going through the city. Yeah. That's for sure. The, yeah. Well the streets on the European side are pretty narrow too, yeah. right? There yeah. would be like no where where would you the, yeah, that'd be a disaster. Yeah. So when you went to that match mm-hmm. when you were 13, 14, 15, were there flares? There were flares. Okay. Yeah. I just has, had to ask that for Ray. Yeah. Just, just shout Ray? out Ray. Okay. <laughs> shout out Ray, I love you. No, no, party, that's, no party. That's some of the most crazy visuals right in SG culture and it's really um I think Turkey takes it up the next level. Well, what's funny is you saw Red Star, Belgrade, of all teams, to be, like, in a friendly with. I wonder, was there away fans? Do you remember, like... I don't remember that. I just remember thinking, like, if they're going to turn up for a friendly, you know, I can't even imagine a regular season match. And it's always been my goal to actually go and watch Fenerbahce and Klutz's right play during the regular season. Mm. I almost did it last year, but I think it was a day away from one of the matches that we were playing. So I'm going to look at their schedule this year and, and try and make it out. Nice. What was like your your kind of sporting context before this? With them, you said you weren't like that big in soccer, but was there something like, were you a fan of American sports and you're trying to compare and contrast to what you saw at that friendly? I was always a big fan of hockey. Mm. Gotcha. And so there's definitely some parallels between ice hockey uh, and soccer. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I grew up in Monterey, so I was always like following the San Jose Sharks because they were the, like the local team, so they were always on on the market. Yeah, so I think that was kind of like a natural like segue into soccer. Gotcha. Yeah. Monterey. Tell us about Monterey. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the show Big Little Lies, but oh, no, but she has Zoe Kravitz always my lover always. Not much. <laughs> How do you know so many celebrities? <laughs> These are this it's pretty like A list is HBO. Uh, uh, I'm so bad with these names and stuff. Big Little Lies. Tell Big us Little about Lies. what's yeah. going on. Uh, small community. It's like thirty thousand, um, but it's kind of clumped in with like Pacific Grove, Carmel, Pebble Beach, like mm-hmm. really scenic, beautiful places. Uh, so grew up there. 
And I actually, I never really played soccer. So whenever I did it in PE, it was always goalie because I didn't want to like run around and I was pretty lazy, <laughs> also chubby. Um, team fat boy. Team fat boy. <laughs> Boys. Um, yeah, so I grew up there, really small community. It's like one of those areas where, you know, you're, you go to kindergarten and you stay with the same age group all through like high school. Um, so you know everybody in the community. Did uh, your move to L.A. get prompted after you had already left Monterey, or was it direct Monterey to L.A.? So I went to I went to school at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and then from there I came down to L.A. in 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're taking photos all this while? No. You're taking photos since you were a young kid with a camera. You came out and everyone's <laughs> like, you're just already taking photos. We know your style. Come on, tell them. <laughs> tell them how it was done. Um, so, not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I actually went to school for, for graphic design. So in high school, I took like a, a graphic design class, fell in love with it, because I, I was always drawing and stuff as a kid, and then went to school for graphic design at Cal Poly. There, I took like one or two photo classes just to like get some credit and whatever. Um, but I, like even then, like I liked it, but I didn't really consider it anything that I would do seriously later on, because my mind was set on, on graphic design. Um, and then eventually, in 2006, when I graduated, which obviously dates me, but um, I got a job actually working for AEG as a graphic designer. Wow. So that was my first job down in LA. AEG? AEG, the Sable the, Center. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So they own the Kings, Lakers, Clippers, uh, and a team in Carson. They do. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. So, okay, graphic design, like, so you were less into sports, more into arts, the arts growing up. Uh, I would I say assume. I would say both. Both. Yeah, fifty-fifty. Did you have as a designer? What, what, what did you want to um, kind of throw your design chops behind? What's like a what's a dream account that you're like I want to be responsible for this? I mean, I always when I was doing design, I always wanted to work with like the Nikes and the Adidas yeah, of yeah. the world. Um, the job at AEG just kind of got me down to LA, right, and right. I thought you know while I was down here, I would you know somehow angle my way into some sort of a, a bigger company and kind of grow from there. Um, Do you remember something about like a Nike or Adidas design that, that really got you inspired to think that down the lane or is it just kind of the persona of those companies? I just love the fact that, you know, every time you saw an ad, like it always resonated with you on some like deeper level, mm-hmm. like either culturally or, you know, you just, you wanted to be that person, you wanted to live that life, you wanted to be in that person's shoes. Like there was always something that was very below the surface. Um, and so that was the kind of stuff I wanted to do. Like, I really wanted to, to reach out to people and just connect with them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like, design wasn't really working out at AG the way that I wanted it to. So after four years, I just kind of dipped out and then went out on my own, decided to kind of take the leap and start freelancing. Mm-hmm. So, like, freelance is freelance graphic design. Yeah, freelance graphic design. Um, Which entails everything from, I'm assuming, like websites to... Yeah, I did everything. I did websites, I did print stuff, I did like posters for people, uh, like web ads, all that stuff. So as a freelancer for a very long time, yes. I know it's like weird and bizarre to like start the freelance life, but like where were you, were you just, did you make enough contacts through AEG that here in LA you were like, okay, I'll just like stay working here and do this? Yeah, so while I was at AEG, I mean, it wasn't paying that much, mm-hmm. and so... I had like a lot of side hustle. So I just, you know, kind of hustled my way and try to meet as many people as I could. 
And when I made the leap into freelance, my goal was just to do it for one year. And that was it, just to kind of like take that leap because mm-hmm. I hadn't made any like major life or career moves at that point. Uh-huh. So my goal was to do it for a year and then just jump back into like a regular nine to five. And I was kind of lucky, like, you know, people kept recommended, uh, recommending me. Mm-hmm. And one year turned into seven years. Wow. And so, yeah, I was, I was really blessed to be able to freelance for as long as I did. And I kind of got into photography because while I was freelancing, like I told you guys, like I kind of wanted to work with like all these different brands. Yeah. And midway through, like I was traveling a lot too because part of the reason why I wanted to freelance was to like see more of the world and mm. travel and experience all these different cultures. And once I realized that I wasn't really working with who I wanted to work with, uh, while I was taking these trips, I had purchased like a really like low-end SLR camera and I was just taking the camera with me on these trips and just taking photos just for fun, just to document it. Um, so where were you going? Where were, come on, give me, give me some of the goods I, here. I went to Scotland, Ireland, uh, Italy, I went to Turkey, went to Greece, uh, where else did I go? I think I went to Canada, went to Mexico. So I, I, like and, they I were, and they were pretty like close my eyes and point at the map style, or were there, were there like certain threads you were following, like certain foods you wanted to eat, friends you wanted to visit, outdoor places you wanted to see, historical things? Like yeah, it was, it was really just like the outdoor historical stuff. Like I, when I get it into my head that like I want to go to a place, I'm going to go to a place. So Italy was one of them too. Um, so yeah, just like traveling as much as I could. Are you, are you rolling solo? Are you rolling with homies? Are you? Are, is it just you and your camera? Solo, just me oh. and my buddy. Damn. Just me and my camera. Yeah. Always. Always. Like on purpose. Always. It had to be. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you guys, traveling, traveling by yourself is a, a different trip. Have you guys gone like on no, like, an really? international trip alone? That's. It's a little intimidating at first, but yeah. it's actually kind of fun. It's one of the most liberating things once you like actually once you're there. Yeah. And you're like, wait. It's only me, and I can decide exactly how I'm going to spend the next however many days you have in this place. And you yeah. like, yeah. you know, you feel a little bit more like up for talking to people. You feel a little bit yeah. more up for like going down that that road that you might not if your friend was like, I'm kind of tired. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I, friends always say I'm kind of tired because I just make them go everywhere. I'm like, Guys, come on. But it was a great way to like force yourself to like interact with the people in that culture and talk to people and yeah, kind of yeah. like get like all the local spots, etc. So. Yeah, give, give us some tips, man. So like, you you go to a country where you don't speak the language, and you're like, I'm, I want to put myself out there. Like, what what what's Imad's travel tips on on, on how I be a uh, how I'm a friendly <laughs> traveler across the, across the universe? I mean, a camera definitely helps, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I just think like you need to be just open and smile and just be friendly and be like very welcoming and mm. hand gestures definitely help. Yeah, um, yeah I mean it's. Food and bathroom, that's the first thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, as long as you learn a couple of, like, really small phrases, Uh as long as they see you trying to adapt to that culture, then they usually kind of open themselves up and they're more than willing to, like, help you out. But if you just go in there just speaking English and not trying to, like, learn anything about their language or anything, then they're probably going to tell you to piss off. Yeah, you you learn that early on. And I traveled a lot. Reasons I traveled a lot was for, for football reasons to go to tournaments. What you'd see, I got to see, is a lot of like what not to do from like certain football fans from certain places. Call them out, Luis. Mostly British football fans. Hey. Who just go in and just scream at someone yeah. in English like, 
hey, I ordered no, I ordered no cream on it. Why is it cream on it? Hey, get this thing out of it. They're just like, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Not even like the attempt to speak clear English. Like, just. You know, just don't be an asshole. No cream. Like you can't be when when you walk outside of your country, you you surrender your right to be an asshole. I think you have to like really um, just make the effort. Yeah, make, just the, make effort, the effort. Be a little nice. Be a little patient. Yeah. Be a little calm. Hey. Next thing you know, you're gonna have some friends and some memories. <laughs> all right. If you're out oh, there yeah. and you scream, you're just gonna be pissed off the whole time because England always will lose on penalties anyways. You know. Oh so. shit! Yeah, I can't even watch a movie by myself. <laughs> you have, have you not gone to the theater by yourself? No. That's another one. That's a good one. Like, I'm, co- I'm cool with, like... It's just because, to me, I'd rather just watch for the movie to, like, come out where I can stream it. You're just saying you don't like going to movies. Yeah. Okay. That's I just fair. fall asleep because the air conditioning is <laughs> too bomb. <laughs> so, of those trips, do you have any, like... Were there any memories that stick out for either... Like your love of sport or your love of like photography in particular, like memories that were like, damn, that trip was like kind of changed my perspective on this or made you want to do photo more often. Um, what naked girl did you take photos of? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, photographers are like the new club promoters. Like, you know. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're definitely not wrong. Yeah, there was a paradigm shift where the club promoters started becoming corny, and then the photographers came in. And you're we definitely like, not wrong. We can make you famous. Let too. me help you with your brand presence, real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think honestly, the first trip. So immediately after I left my job, I took a month off before I was freelancing, and I went to Greece and Turkey. And my cousin uh, was also kind of in a transition between jobs, and so when I was in Turkey for like two weeks, he was just kind of. We were going up up and down the coast, just like all these small little towns that I hadn't heard of before, and he was showing me around. Um, and then I went to Greece, and the whole thing was just very, it was very liberating, like you said earlier. Like, it was just, for me at that time, it was the biggest move that I had done for myself and for my career. Uh, you know, leaping into an idea, basically, of, hey, I could be a freelancer, and then actually, like, not knowing if you're going to be successful at that. But just that act alone of just kind of jumping into it, doing it. So I think that kind of trip really uh, stood out in my mind for sure. I mean, like all the countries I visited, like Scotland, Ireland, Italy, all of them have been amazing in different ways. But yeah, the Greece and Turkey trip from was was probably it for me. How's your Turkish? Do you speak pretty well? Um, it's very broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so when you're like in some small town in Turkey, though, you could like talk to the guy. About yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like I can hold like a small conversation. It's very broken, but mm-hmm. if I get lost, I can find my way back. Nice. Yeah. So Do you feel some kind of um, like tied to motherland stuff when you're in Turkey? And you like you're like even when you're in a small town, just like being around like. Kind of people who have been you for just generations do you feel that kind of kinship with them um you know it's i think i feel it through my mom like mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel that connection through my parents because uh, whenever like we're out in the backyard like because they live in phoenix now and they'll talk about stories about like you know how they grew up when they grew up and then like you go to turkey and you just kind of like you'll see those moments in like people mm-hmm. you know um, so through that but like firsthand i don't really have that much of like a, a tie but when you guys would go to Korea do you feel that yeah will you have like moments can well, you describe I mean, like a I, moment but I think where... that's more of a nurture thing just because in general like 
it's just within Koreans to like kind of in your upbringing it's a lesson that your people and your country are larger than you like you know when we're 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 born in America and USA versus Korea are playing and we're torn and we tell our parents that they're like no you're Korean <laughs> for Korea motherfucker mm-hmm. you know what I mean so like when you go when you finally go to the motherland like you have and you see just everyone's Korean you kind of have some sort of like oh well, some people do. I mean, but did you do you guys remember like a specific moment where you were like, "Oh snap!" Like I, this is it hits you hard. Yeah, and I think for me, I would have to say like, even when you're walking through like the cityscape and you're just there, it's a weird experience. Maybe less so if you're from LA, LA, but um, uh, you're just kind of being able to disappear into a crowd. You know, I think that's that's something that the anonymity that you get from you know just being around the majority, right, mm-hmm. or being of the majority. Is something that you don't really see replicated too too often here, and um, you know, for better or worse, I think there's good things <coughs> about it. But there's a there's a certain ease that you can walk around with, just knowing that it's not uh, you're not an other or an outlier there, right? So. Well, you still kind of are because the you know. Oh, for sure, everyone's you're always gonna around there. So it's like I don't I don't really get the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole Korean uh, privilege over there, but it's uh, it's definitely an interesting interesting take. And you always get you know some drunk fool telling you to speak. Korean when you're speaking English to your homies or something. <laughs> I, I tracked down my only known Irish relative that I could find uh. on one of my spiritual quests. Uh-huh. And like, sure. dude, I swear to God, there are zero people in the world I've never, I've ever felt as disconnected from as this man. <laughs> he lived as your in, relative. He, yeah, that's like the only one that I knew for yeah, sure was yeah. my relative. He lived in this like very strange house, like way on some Dr. Seuss shit, like at the edge that's of the fucking Dr. cliffs. Seuss. You could see Scotland from his house. And when I go to find him, he's like with his homie and they're like branding sheep. And he has like <laughs> this, this like spigot of hair, like it's growing on top of his nose. Like it's Sick. not in his nose and it's not up, like below it's his nose, like my stash. It's like on top, like it's like an extra eyebrow right here, just like a little, and I'm just like, <laughs> nose and I try to talk to him, you know, I'm like, I, I came from America, like, you know, like my, you know, cause I had like traced him down through like my great uncle who knew, you know, and I, it's like this really long story, but the, the cut and dry of it was like, we had to get back to, this was in Northern Ireland, which most of my family was from Southern Ireland, this was in Northern Ireland. And I met him and like, I was just trying to talk to the guy and he like, you know, he kind of looked at me like, and he's like saying some shit. I could, I could hardly understand what he was saying because Northern Irish accents are like the next level. And I was like, like waiting for like the moment, you know, that that was gonna, it was just like, it really felt like it, like it, like the most alien thing in the world. Like it couldn't have been less like, you know, like, oh. yeah. so it was a total, like I fucked, you know, the expectation was totally screwed. Uh, I had a moment like that in Dortmund. <laughs> Remember the, <laughs> the, the fat white guy that was standing next to us? He's that, in the picture. At that small club? No, no, no. At at the match. Oh, that's right. The we one. tried to high-five him after one of the, yes. the goals, and he yeah. looked at me like, don't fucking look at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want nothing to do with us. Well, I want to talk more about Dortmund. But, we'll before get we, to that. but before we get into Dortmund, my question to you is, when Turkey and the United States are playing, who do you root for? Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> do they ever have um, to play? To me. Have they even played? Maybe like a friendly, but not like in a competitive competition. Honestly, like I'd probably lean toward the U.S. I mean, I, I grew up here, you know, I have more ties here. Um, and I think just in terms of growing the sport, like you kind of, you really want the U.S. to do really well. You know, Turkey is kind of in a turbulent time with like their own national team. Mm-hmm. It's slowly coming up, but 
Uh, yeah, leaning toward the U.S. for sure. Was that the early 2000s? They had like that. They had they, a dynamite team in the yeah, early 2000s. I think it was right? yeah, 2002. 2002 World Cup where you fucking rained on our third place parade. Uh, anyways, and so ruined, we, well, that's what it was. That's what it, it was. It ruined the the um, largest watch party that I had attended, which we packed out like about half of the Staples Center. Yeah, for the was, third place game. Third yeah, place game. Third so it wasn't game. even the semifinal. And then I think they set a record for the fastest goal scored in the World Cup. I think yeah. it was Hassan Shash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam holds your personal responsibility. Yeah. This. this is what this is what the podcast <laughs> is really about. <laughs> we I'm were so excited about. for that shit. <laughs> Wait, do you remember where you were for that game? Um, yeah, my parents' place. Nice. My parents were freaking out. And my grandmother was visiting too, so she was like, even her, like she was freaking out too. Oh, it meant a, like it means a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know that, but yeah, no, that I, I was a little surprised that my grandmother us. was into it too. You mm-hmm. know, and she's you know like eighty years old, ninety years old. So, what do you remember uh, about that run, man? I mean, it's historic, right? Just in, as the same way that the Korea run was historic yeah. for us, and like led to a generation of Korean kids looking at looking at that and be like, oh, I we th- can do something. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it almost kind of spoiled it because like. That was one of the first times that I was really paying attention to this, and obviously my parents were were super into it. And then after that, like it was just Turkey just went on this huge decline. Like I think they missed like every World Cup since or something. No. Uh, yeah, I mean it was a huge run for us. Like third place. Yeah, I think yeah. we lost to Brazil. Yeah, because we lost to Germany. So yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Brazil. yeah. And even the, even that one was close. There's so many great like Turkish. European players like yeah. in different countries that yeah. have like made huge differences obviously Mesut Ozil is like the biggest example I can think of but Gundogan yeah Gundogan I mean they all technically play for Germany unfortunately all of them isn't there I thought Ozil there was plays for Germany I thought there was also Gundogan, someone who is like Turkish Emre Can plays for Germany yeah maybe yeah. someone in Spain yeah. yeah I mean I just saw Ozil took uh, for his wedding photo he made um, Erdogan his best man yeah which is Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. No comment. No comment. I think no it's, comment, safe. Yeah. it's safe on this. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Safe on this. You guys want to take a quick break and we'll get into the Dortmund life. And well, we we'll get, get straight into that. All right. Oh, All jump. right. Let's jump. We'll be right back, y'all. Back here. FCFC pod, we're back here with uh, Imad, and uh, we're gonna hear some 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 stories about our favorite our favorite town in Germany. By the way, I want you to pronounce my last name. Ah, uh, you weren't paying attention I'm either. Done. You fucking motherfucker! That's not my job, yo, Imad. You're my guy. Yeah, bro. Sam, 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 you so can't do it either. Bolotov. Okay, you can. Imad Bolotov. <laughs> we're not talking about the stuff in these white girls' faces, neither. Yeah, what? What? We're talking about Dortmund, <laughs> our favorite German city. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I want to hear uh, just uh, a little firsthand account. These are always a lot of fun to, to kind of come, kind of walk us through. But, um, man, first time you step off the plane in Germany, you're in Dortmund. What are you feeling, man? I think just anxiety, like really kind of like anxious in terms of like you know, what's going to happen. You know, you hear a lot about German culture, Germany itself, like... Uh, Dortmund so and this is your first time in Germany first time in Germany yeah yeah and this is Slim's first time in Europe yep really mm-hmm. I didn't know that first time maybe Europe. you told me and I forgot so I, I heard that there was a <laughs> there was a meeting beforehand no 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 this was let's just we'll, we'll get to the meeting just tell us everything from 
from playing to to our meeting with the front office of um, the BVB. Well, I, th- I mean, I think you can do a better job than I can because I, I don't really. Like I said, from from the get. Let's talk about the meeting. All right, let's just go straight to the meeting. <laughs> let's just go straight to this the is, meeting. This is Imad's My favorite, is favorite part of this trip. Just because there was just so much shit going on from, like, she had been blackout drunk the night before, and he's just, like, throwing up and pissing out of his butt, like, the whole meeting. Well, anyways, go on. Let's get into it. So, uh... By the way, I didn't know that part. That's very new to me, so thank well, you. You don't for... remember how many times that was in the bathroom? I do, but I didn't know he was doing that. Well, anyway, <laughs> pissing out of his butt. Yeah, pissing out of his butt. Um, I, my favorite memories from <coughs> Dortmund were from that meeting. So <laughs> I, I'll try to set the table as best I can, but basically it's like it's this big conference room and just like white walls, everything's super clean, right? And we walk in and we're, you know, being introduced and and then Carson kind of starts talking about the culture and everything and so obviously it's my job to document so I'm kind of like going around the room and you know taking photos and Carson and is not the city it's Carson sorry I didn't pronounce Carson yeah, yeah. Um, and so one of the three favorite memories that I have was with uh, commander actually oh we're in this meeting and it's like you could hear a pin drop right Carson's talking and <coughs> Commander has his skull at the edge of the table, and it's a styrofoam skull. And so, you know, everybody's had something that's been, you know, styrofoam before. And you know that if you just touch styrofoam, like, it makes a sound. And so <laughs> I'm, like, going around, and I'm near Commander. And, you know, Carson's given, like, a very passionate speech. And Commander's, like, adjusting the hat on the styrofoam <laughs> skull. And it just reverberates around every. And you, you just hear this, like... <laughs> Maybe a little bit of squeaking in there yeah. too. Um, and so I just kind of like smirked, and I think I made eye contact with Pat, and we just both kind of smirked. But um, the second one was, and I think this has been talked about before, but Ray and the Cokes. Yeah. So you know they were very generous hosts. They gave, they put out some Coke and maybe some water mm-hmm. or whatever, and. Ray proceeded to drink maybe half the Coke in Germany <laughs> during that meeting. I believe, what was the count? It was like nine? Nine. Nine Cokes. And I remember, I remember. <laughs> cans or two cans? Okay, okay. And I remember, like. Well, they ran out of Coke at one point. And then someone was like, you want more? And Ray said, yeah. So they went <laughs> And I remember, like, he kind of arranged it, like, in bowling pins. Yeah. And I remember getting a couple of photos of that. And I. I still have those. Those are probably some of my favorite photos that I've ever taken. Yeah. And then I'll say the third one was probably you in the club. What did I do? Because this was the first time I had ever seen you dance. (laughs) Ever. And it's a it's a memory I have too. I'll never forget the first time I saw us. And I mean, no offense, but I've never seen a man. That size. You've never seen a fat man do get jiggy like me. That fluid. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. And then to look around and see all these Germans just like eyeing you, like, yeah, man. Who the hell is this guy doing this? How did he do this? I mean, as, as Ben I would, says, it's uh, all no bones, all tendons at that point. Yeah, yeah. dude. But and I just realized how like shady that club was, and I was like, I shouldn't have been partying that hard. <laughs> what kind of what kind of shady was it? I mean. 
still. Uh, can you can you explain? Was it cold country shady? It, it was like they're not. They weren't used to seeing someone not like them. Yeah, they didn't. Well, not even just not like them. Like a big group of people that's not like them. Yeah. Like so, that and well, it was just like a weird, like themed club oh, yeah. too. Like the 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 bathroom the. The urinal was in the shape of a mouth. Oh, yeah, you didn't go to the bathroom? No. Yeah, the, the urinal was shaped like a mouth. <laughs> what was the verbiage? There was some verbiage on the wall that, that was kind of crazy, too. I forget what it said. It was in English, though. It was in English. Oh. Um, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, after hours, it might have turned into, like, a... A BDSM club type, <laughs> you know what I mean? It like, had that it kind was, of grime to it. Yeah, it was it was a bad freakiness to it. <laughs> yeah. it How'd you guys end up all in, you know, in that club? We took um, referrals from the the front office people. And all, yeah, and Woo, there weren't a lot of out. places that were open either. Yeah, actually. and that was one of like I don't know, maybe four. Or I think five we places. got drunk too early too, because <laughs> I feel like some of the partying happens later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. It was just so Yeah, and then we just at one point we were just walking around, hit up a McDonald's. We had hit McDonald's at least twice out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we pretty, pretty much just got drunk at the hotel sometimes. I mean, Sal loves to tell the story where, like, I had slippers on, basketball shorts, <laughs> walking around the lobby of this nice-ass hotel with a bottle of Hennessy. Um, what else is out there? How many, oh, day, how, how many days was this trip in total? This was maybe like five days? Five days. Something like that? Yeah. Four, four, four nights, four, five days? Five days, five, five days, nights, six nights. days. Yeah, five days, four nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing about Commander having that skull was I think that day Richard told us to be a little more low-key about our LAFC stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not come in like we own the place. Um... Yeah, Thorman was pretty fun, man. It's it's definitely going to be one of those memorable times. One of my favorite stories that I've heard, of, like my favorite LAF story, LAFC stories of all time came from Imad when we were just drinking and chilling uh, in me and Cheese room with... I think was, Marcus was there too. I think Marcus might have been there too. Um, we were just talking about the first, the first, first derby between the, the youth teams um yeah, between our academy yeah but between our academy kids and uh once again i think commander is iman's favorite person or iman's favorite person is commander because the story he told me was just like I, while i was taking pictures i was just thinking in my head like when the parents come to the realization that commander doesn't have any kids that was ray <laughs> wasn't it ray no commander was it Commander? yeah that commander doesn't have any kids or grandkids here and he has the styrofoam skull out <laughs> and that ray doesn't have any kids or grandkids there and he's over there popping smoke Hell yeah. like these parents must fucking hate us <laughs> <laughs> and to me that that's probably why i love lafc the 3252 rain commander that was the moment they're, they don't give a fuck they're themselves and they're yeah great. they don't give a fuck like and that's what's so great about it we were all about it that I've learned a lot from them coming from be, being an oppressed Korean all my life I'm just kidding I'm, I'm pretty loud and obnoxious and not oppressed uh, but I'm just out here repping for you oppressed ass Koreans like John hey 
By the way, shout out to Commander and Ray. I love them. This isn't like any disrespect at all. Like oh, I, I love them to death. They're they're amazing. They're, human they're the greatest. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Ray stayed standing. It, it, for those that don't know, when we recorded the the Ray and Julio episode, Ray stayed standing the whole time. And when we asked him why, Julio answered with, because if he sits down, he can't fit as much beer in his stomach. <laughs> and Ray didn't, he just he just grinned. He was like, yeah. Neither confirmed nor denied. Yeah, neither confirmed nor denied. Let me ask you this question. With all these antics going on, whether you're in Dortmund, whether you're at the Academy Games, you're, you know, you're with these cast of characters like Slim and Commander and Ray and everybody. How hard is it at times to like remember that you have to take photos? Like how how much of your time at these events, at these things, are you sometimes like getting caught like not thinking about taking photos? Or do you are you are you good now at balancing like knowing when you have to shoot and when you don't? I feel like I'm a lot better now than I was even back then at kind of like capturing the moment, but also like recognizing you're a part of that moment. I knew that was my job, obviously, and like just my natural instinct is to like try and capture that moment on on camera um but even like during games like i've i've gotten better at taking a step back like you know looking at the environment saying like you're here you're present like and enjoying it and realizing that this you know is a life moment right like Dortmund was one of those experiences where i knew that like that was going to travel with me throughout the rest of my career and the rest of my life and you know, I, I think that's important too. Is just to like recognize that, you know, this is a moment. Learn from it. Do your job, but at the same time, just be present. So. And when you're shooting, are you? What's your like philosophy on, like, do you take, do you opt for like taking as many photos as possible, or do you try to like, not as possible, but you know what I'm saying? Like, given a circumstance, okay, now you're, you're present, you're in the moment, but now you're shooting. Are you shooting as many shots as you can, or are you trying to like be more specific? And pointed and get the one you're looking for like do you would you because some i feel like some photographers rather do the work afterwards and sort through all the things that they took yeah rather than like focus more on trying to get the shot where's where's your what's your steez i think uh, <laughs> i think when i first started it was like that spray and pray mentality you know you just try to shoot as much as possible uh -huh. and then kind of dig through everything later i think as i've grown throughout my <clears throat> career i've i've kind of been able to recognize like when a moment might happen and you know kind of take my finger off the shutter for a little bit um but yeah and like that's helped too to just kind of like you know take my finger off the shutter and then just like look around and try to pay attention to the environment you know especially like if i'm shooting a game if the action's on the second half of the field you know way over there just kind of like look around and like see the environment the fans like is there something going on? Is like somebody you know, like lifting up their kid or something, yeah, yeah. or somebody like waving a yellow card or you know whatever. So right. I, I think you kind of grow in that mentality as you go along in your career. I f I feel like I don't know, but so basically, sorry. So when I first started, it was a lot, and then as I've kind of transitioned to like what I am now, it's kind of like narrowing. Yeah, narrow. The that's kind of what I would expect in on the one hand. For me, I get really overwhelmed by like a lot of shit. One is like images and videos and like I just they overstimulate me like it rocks my world if I see too many. And I feel like we're already exposed to so many images as it is. Over the weekend, partially in, inspired by Marcus, shout out to Marcus, partially inspired by all the freaking banners you see everywhere. Mm -hmm. I went to the Contact High Photo exhibit 
which is at Annenberg, which is free, which at some point you should just go there because all their exhibitions are free. It's in Century City. Um, but I like got to watch like their little film that they put together about the series. It's all about like hip hop history and hip hop history told through photos. Mm-hmm. You have all these photographers talking about how they took these like really iconic photos. The one that's on the banner is the one with Biggie with the the crown on his head. Mm-hmm. And, and and what's cool is you see the contact sheet which has like all the photos that could have been used oh, and like all cool. the ones that were like crossed out or like didn't get used. And there's this one with Biggie's. He's just like laughing hysterically. Yeah. And you've like never seen Biggie with like this huge like cheesy grin on his face. Mm-hmm. It's like a little kid who just like got told he was gonna have ice cream but like bored to die one of the things that one of the photographers said was like he and he takes like modern photos like some of the people he was shooting was like Takashi 6ix9ine and like people who are like today's rappers right he was saying that he'd rather have like instead of he's he'd rather have one great photo than even like 15 good photos mm-hmm. are you like are, do you feel like you're like because you described like the moment where you see like a kid on someone's shoulders at the game or whatever and if like you caught that person in the right light versus like 10 kids on shoulders you know what i'm saying yeah. are you are, are you because for me it would be hard to do that like i would be so worried about like not getting the thing that i don't know if i'd have the patience to like wait until the moment where you might and it's for a different medium something. too right like you're, you're shooting a lot for um, it, everything's gonna get on social and you need to there's some match recap part of it right and as a, as opposed to something that's more for album cover or magazine so like that there's a different purpose for for some of these right yeah I, I feel like you know obviously with what i do you know like the expectation is obviously to try to get every single player also get the crowd get the environment get the mood um but i definitely understand that part like you know one good shot should be able to tell the entire story and so you know during games if i can get one shot that really like encapsulates encapsulates well, i can't pronounce anything uh you know what i mean mm-hmm. but if it tells that story then then that's that's amazing like uh, you know i don't need necessarily need like 100 photos you know af- at the end of the night but if there's one photo that really defines everything then then great but you know with why did with what i do specifically like you know obviously i've got to you know get every single player and also like there's always a shot list yeah that's what i was gonna say like what and and also because we live in this like digital world there's like probably all these different platforms that have maybe different needs for different kinds of photos on them yeah and like what is if you don't mind me asking like what is like the shot list like what are the things that you have to get during the course of a game for instance take us inside so (laughs) so we have like on any regular game day we've got about maybe five photographers Shout out to Sue and Edgar and who else? Would know yeah, we got we got Ruben, Edgar, we got Quirk. Um, we've got Quirk. Sammy. We've got a new guy named Raul. So we've got we've got a lot of photographers. Um, uh, some will do like sponsorship. So depending on like the game, like obviously the game coming up Sunday, we're gonna have a sponsorship photographer. So they're solely dedicated toward that. So they'll photograph like the video boards, anything that's sponsorship related, mm-hmm. partnership related. Um, and then there's also, you know, obviously we'll have uh, photographers on the field. Then we have one like in the north end, just documenting the north end and like the chaos there. Yeah. Um, we'll have like another photographer maybe roaming around the concourse, capturing like some of the people that are, you know, maybe like painted faces or like families, etc. Um, so there's a lot of different like angles that we have. And then at the end of the night, we'll just kind of refine everything and, you know, we'll put it out on like Instagram and, and all of our other social platforms. 
And for you, are you more concerned with like your photos for the day or making sure that like everybody else knows what they're doing or does everyone kind of have their own? So before games, yeah, like I'll have, I send out an email to all the photographers that we're using and mm-hmm. I'll break down like a shot list of what they're responsible for. So for example, like, you know, let's take Edgar, for example, I'll say, okay, like you're going to get the walkout of, you know, Atlanta side and we need like the walkout kids because some of those kids are affiliated with like, or with parents that are, you know, have, are like uh, part of the sponsorship team or something. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say also like, you know, can you get the Falconer and can you get like, maybe there's there's something going on before the game. You know, like a book drive or whatever. So I'll kind of designate shots for for all of our photographers, and then if they have any questions, obviously I'll answer them. But it's their job to execute the shot list. Mm-hmm. So by the time like kickoffs happening, or I guess even before kickoff happening, you get to kind of concentrate on photos. You don't have to worry too much like in the game about like managing people or yeah, exactly. I mean, we have we have a really good staff of you know photographers that know exactly what to do and what to capture. Um, um, yeah, and we have uh, people that understand the game especially, which is really important, and know what to look for yeah. when. So that's that's really critical. But also people that are able to help tell that story in a unique way. That's not the traditional way of telling a soccer story. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's part of what, like especially with me, I try to bring to LAFC. And part of what really excites me about working for LAFC is telling soccer in another way. And the 3252 is like a huge part of that. Right. You know, so that's why we've had a photographer in the North End every single game. That's why. And we was talking about like you getting to know the, the cast of characters <laughs> through Dortmund and even through seasons one and two. Like, yeah. Even before for, that. Right. Even right be- before that and um, way before that. And what's it like for you as a photographer who's, who's taking these pictures of these people? Um, you have this relationship that's growing with them and you get to know them better and then now it's come to a point where it's like you're constantly adding to you know their uh, to certain points their lives like i think when i see a picture of sam or myself it adds to a checkpoint of like oh yeah this was a vancouver or this is portland yeah. but like you get to see that kind of develop and like do you have like this like bird's eye view of like exactly what's going on with these people in their lives and how they're feeling and everything like do you, do you feel this kind of attachment and this kind of proximity with these people that you're you're photographing all the time yeah absolutely i mean I think part of being a photographer is to just to get to know the people that you're photographing. You know, you don't want to be distant from, from anyone. And especially if I see, like, you know, Slim going to, like, every rally before the season mm-hmm. starts or whatever, like, you want to connect with him and get to know him and, you know, ask about his life and whatever and, you know, Dweezy and you and, like, you know, you want to connect with these people. You want to resonate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, like, you're going to get the photos that you want and you're going to be able to, like, really tell that story by interacting with these people and being close up and not shooting from a distance. That's also how you get naked girls, naked <laughs> but, but that's also how you, like... Portrait series, baby. <laughs> that's also how you, like, Let's press... Tell a story. You press... No, that's, ne- that's the next song, <laughs> the Bible feature, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's first in line, by the way. I'm going to learn how to take pictures. But when you, take, when you take photos of these people, you're also, like... And, and if it does get selected, I guess, so it's not just take the photo, which by the time you select it, when it's going to go live online or whatever, you're, like, also creating this memory for them, like Josh was saying, for, like, ever. They're always going to remember, yeah, like, yeah. that's, like, a pretty wild thing because they're they're always going to have that, that photo. And, and when it comes to the North End, like, how does photo- how does shooting those photos, you know, differ? Is it 
in what ways is it harder or easier than shooting like players or or sort of other fans and like which which parts of like I guess specifically the game day experience do you personally enjoy shooting? Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I love being on the field. For me, it's it's just like a release after a long week. You know, being able to just kind of chill, shoot the players, shoot you know whatever's going on. I have grown into the role of like really trying to photograph more portraits, which is where like I think the soccer bible stuff came right. into play. I've really enjoyed kind of transitioning into more like intimate one-on-one sessions and more like behind the scenes and I think that's kind of stemmed from covering the the rallies and stuff from before uh, when we kicked off and so that's kind of where the genesis of like photographing like Adrian Perez you know behind the scenes and like Mark Anthony Kay and like all these yeah. other you know things that we're working on so what you get if you guys haven't seen them Check them out. Yeah, the photo diary. <laughs> I really the like the, the one of, of Mark. Mark. Yeah, yeah, and I like the one of Adrian too. Heck yeah. yeah. On the train, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Going back to his his pad. Local experience. We're all like, we don't do this. Like it's kind of <laughs> awkward, and then we go into a dark room and <laughs> say, don't say where dark. you're gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's this kind of ha- you need to handle um, people's personalities and people's um, <laughs> like hopes and fears in a lot of weird ways because you're getting it's a very intimate portrait of a person, but I think. You might like what, what, what? How do you take that and look at that a portrait and like really um, coach someone through that? Because you've, well, you've done an amazing job. Well, like with with you guys, right? Like when it came to the soccer Bible stuff, it was literally just one light, and it was just me talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. And my job as a photographer is to make you feel comfortable really quickly, like within you know a minute. Mm-hmm. So just talk to you about your day, and then obviously transition into you know. I, I think some of the questions that I was asking you were about like why you joined the club and right. kind of like like this podcast but like in a photo shoot yeah, you know yeah. like start off with the topic and then just kind of veer off and then as you guys were talking I was literally just you know photographing you guys and I think one of my favorite was actually of you hey, Josh who? it was when you were just kind of like I, I asked you I think what that game meant to you because you were wearing a shirt that was uh, Korea versus Germany in right, the last right. World Cup right and there was this moment where you're just kind of like putting your hand like over your chest like over the score mm-hmm. and you had the the TSG scarf over your other shoulder and you know that kind of stuff is exactly what it's about like that meant a lot to you right and so it's just about resonating with the person connecting with them talking to them maybe that's where you started becoming a sex symbol hey <laughs> that was the genesis do you know the yeah. photo he's talking about yeah yeah it's, I, it's I the, think it's the one that um, the, the one that was used pretty much yeah yeah the one that the club posted and thank you for tagging my IG my IG got a crazy bump from that so <laughs> appreciate the club going above and beyond but no it was wild cause like even that motion itself like Imad wasn't like hey touch your chest right here like salute it's like was straight up like tell me the story of like what that meant to you and then just naturally the, the, the posture and the posing that comes out of it it's like how I would demonstrate that to, to Sam or Dweez over here, like what when I was talking about the game. So it, it really is this kind of like subtle Jedi mind trick skill that, <laughs> that, that, that it comes, but it's natural as hell. Yeah, and there was another photo of Breezy. Um, she's like, she's got her scarf on and I, I forget what question I asked her, but I'll try to find it. But she was just kind of like leaning in toward the camera and like going like this. And yeah. It was just very like, it was just very intimate. And right, right, you could right. tell like, especially with everybody that was photographed that the club meant something to them on a different level and that's my job is to capture that before this job like when you're doing you know the graphic design stuff the other stuff had you ever had to do because that sounds extremely personal even for me and i have to like sit there and talk to people by the way you're next <laughs> yeah no that's i have to sit there and talk to people by about like you know 
their lives sometimes, like players or whatever, about something that might be uncomfortable, asking sometimes uncomfortable questions. I'm more of a coward when it comes to the ones that are too <laughs> too personal. If it's like if it's for you know something as broad as like like I don't know like online stories and stuff, I do it for other other stories I've done. But like yeah, like that process of like sitting there with them like. Did you ever feel uncomfortable? Have you ever had like a day that was just like, you don't have to say the person or the thing, but like that just didn't go well, that you weren't able to get them to relax, that you were like, or kind of from the beginning when you started doing it, it came naturally or you found a way to make it work? I, I mean, again, like I think the job is to always make it work somehow. So, you know, even if like Josh wasn't able to, if I wasn't able to get like the poses or whatever that I wanted out of him, you know, there was always like some some gestures whatever that I could just like help guide him to to try to get like what we wanted Mm -hmm. um yeah there's always like a a plan (coughs) B but how uncomfortable would you be if someone was trying to photograph you in the same way very uncomfortable (laughs) very very uncomfortable and that's exactly why I'm on this side of the lens I I, I run away dude I feel the same way when people try to interview me it's like yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can't do it. That's I can't do it. it. Who's ready to write the ten thousand word piece? On <laughs> I think that's that's what's Good we're luck. Really I'm going to tell you all lies. It's going to be fictional. Uh, let's take another break. We'll get back with Imad here in a sec. Hey. Tea time. For a little tea time with Dewey. Oh, I said pee time that time. Okay. Both. Can be both. I mean, pee time leads to tea time. Truth. What you're gonna do? You're gonna flip this baby By real way, quick, like. Can I just say how honored I am to be having tea with you? Whoa, 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 Every whoa, whoa, podcast whoa, whoa. I listen to somebody having tea, I wish I was there. And now, and now here. I'm here. The honor is ours. So bro. you're gonna you're gonna flip you're gonna flip it like he just flipped it. How do you do it? Grab grab it on both sides like in the middle like so, and then flip it. And then you put it down. It seems like it's gonna spill. It's not gonna spill. And then this is your smell cup. Smell cup. Let's get a little smell. They're kind of a one one timer. So today's tea, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, medium roast oolong. Yeah, we're back in the oolong, baby. From Fujian Province, a little a little tea called Tie Guayin, Iron Goddess of Mercy. If you go to if you go to the old, you're uh, plugging the Volkswagen Tie Guayin right now, and I was like, oh wow. Isn't it? How do you say that one? How do you say? Tie Guan. Wow, it's really similar. Yeah, shit. I wonder if it's like a play on it. Anyways, it's like a Buddhist term, but. Uh, if you go to like fancy coffee shops that think they know what they're doing, sometimes they'll have it. They'll be like Iron Goddess Tea, and Iron it's like, Goddess Tea, and it probably won't be that great. But. Would you recommend the Iron Goddess Tea at a coffee shop? So this tea. Lord, <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna listen. We out here for a hot second. It's a little volatility going on. This is like. You know, every brother is always like a pendulce. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what I get. This is your pendulce. Yeah, so yeah. no, but to be honest with you guys, I've been surprised about how mellow the backyard has been when we're usually recording because there have been times where it's it's it gets pretty lively around here, and so that's a small sample. Anyways, Tiguan was my first favorite oolong tea. Everyone drinks it where I was living in Chongqing. Um, and I got this from the new roommate, so let's see how it is. I like it. It's good. Not bad. Not bad. You got me on the oolong tip. 
Oolongs are the connoisseurs. Pause that. I just said, yeah, okay. We gotta pause that. You want the oolong tip? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of after I said it. Sam likes the oolong tip. (laughs) (laughs) Pause that. Hold on. Um. <laughs> so something we were just baby. <laughs> something we were just talking about off pod, one of the off classic off pod conversations. By the way, if there's a, an incentive for you guys to get over here and come on the pod, it's that uh, the off pod conversations are the best <coughs> conversations. Just like away days are the best days, and just like Tiguain is my first favorite love. In the <laughs> um, so what we were talking about was photos and whether or not we're like overwhelmed by images and if good photos can even emerge when you're scrolling through feeds like at 90 miles an hour and your thumb is getting sore because of how long you've been scrolling and your eyes are going cross-eyed because of how long you've been looking and you're falling out of the chair. Okay, this just only happens to me. Is it just me? <laughs> no, no. And your brain sure. hurts and you get dizzy when you wait and you stand up because you just like All right, got that's, that's you. rocked by <laughs> the internet. Your territory. It's usually because <laughs> the weed. So, <laughs> riddle me this. What is the best way to look at good photos now then if, if the internet can't be the place? And Josh, do you personally like photography enough to like go to exhibitions or like, are we screwed? No, like I, I like, I mean, I'm not going to every museum exhibit opening, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a decent amount. But also at the same time, like, um, I think in the past, the ability to create those kinds of images have been to a select few. And now that it is kind of open to more, um, more people, like there are great images being shot all the time. and. Instagram is the way that those images are shared more often than not nowadays. So, you know, whether they are kind of permanent, more temporary, and they're fleeting, right? I think there's, like, the same iconic photos you're talking about, you know, Pac and Biggie, about the hip-hop historians that we've had, that we love and cherish. Like, those things are, I mean, they are flying past us in the feed, but I think there's still those images that still um, still people mess with in, 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 a, in a mass appeal kind of way, right? Like, even if, if an image gets, like, and likes are horrible, but... If an image gets like 10,000 likes, right, and like how many people are looking at it, I have no idea, but that's more than a museum exhibit opening. That's more than, I think maybe the only other possible kind of parallel would be an album cover where it's distributed so widely that people fall in love with this thing that was really uh, coming from coming from uh, just kind of a higher power in that way, right? Yeah, I, and what we were talking about off but I just think it's kind of more about the impact we were talking about, right? Because there's so many of those, mm-hmm. like... The impact isn't as long lasting. It, mm. it, you feel it for a bit, and then boom, you scroll a little bit, and, and it's gone. You know what I mean? Like sometimes things will go viral, but tomorrow something else is going viral. I got you. And so I, the impact right, right. of photos, like like we were talking about the uh, the greatest day in hip hop, um, there was just more of an allure and something that lasted longer in your mind and your, in, in your emotions. You. And I think there's 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 an aspect of it where it's like. Um, Creation versus curation, right? And then the, when you saw it to the the Annenberg Museum exhibit, like that, those that's from a master curator, right? But I think there's nowadays because this thing is so readily available, like I can think of even as much volume as the LAFC team shoots in, I can think of my favorite images off the bat, right? And while there's what are your all favorite ones of you? What are your favorite no, images? No, 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 no. What are your favorite um, images? I mean, there's a couple of Vela because he's a beautiful man, but like, and they've, they've, they've taken him, they've, you've shot Carlos in so many different angles, right? No, you're making this mad creepy. No, no, I love no, it. No, I love no, it. I love it. I love it. He's beautiful. He's a very come on, say man. I think we, we all agreed on that. But, um, yeah, you on that oolong tip. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Me and you on the same level right now, dog. 
But there's there's a, there's a because you see someone so many times and so many different angles that, that the ones that are different really stick out to you, right? Where it's like he's looking, he's probably looking at the corner flag or at the ball, and all of a sudden, sometimes like you see like. Oh, it's it's like a portrait or a measure of a person, right? And those are the, the photos you're talking about. Sam, don't laugh at me. <laughs> you talking about Carlos Vela like he's an Instagram model, like hey, in certain ways he is, bro. In different lightings. <laughs> no, 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 I got you, I got you. And the worst things about Instagram models that we all hate, right? I think because it's done from a professional lens, um, from the people who are you know of, of the club and who understand the club, like it's we treat it as art, right? And it wasn't before there was just a professional IG models. There was people who were fucking out there on the street, like being busy at what they do and regardless if they're like in fashion or in business or whatever and then you take a picture of them i think that's similar in the way that we kind of document athletes on the field even because like they're at their job and you're taking a photo of them doing freaking work but at the same time how you document them doing work is stylistically dependent on how great the photographer is and what his eye looks like yeah and that's i mean that's always been like the trajectory of the club, right? It's just to do things a little bit differently than everybody else. And I mean, I can kind of go back into my like history and like what really inspires me, but like even before LAFC, I loved, and I still love like street photography, mm -hmm. right? Like that really kind of influences how I color photos and how I like even crop photos and shoot photos, etc. So, and the same thing with like other photographers as well, like everything, you know, there are certain things that like influence them that definitely comes out in their photography. With me, it's always been street photography. Mm. Um, and I've always been obsessed with like coloring photos and like trying to make things look like cinematic, right? So that kind of goes along with what you're talking about with like documenting players on the field. Like it's not just Carlos, you know, scoring a goal, like dribbling, whatever. Mm. Like it's, it's documenting it in a certain style that's different from the rest and it's gonna like stand out. and. Right. You know, also at the same time, like you know, we have all these photographers everywhere, and it's it's not just about that; it's about like an entire culture, right? So that kind of like really stands out in our in our social media and the way yeah. we like even think about things going into a match. Yeah, and, that, and that's wild because, like, I mean, I'll say proudly is that we have the best damn media creative team in all of the league, and probably. I, this is just me because I don't know the rest of the world global football, but like for the teams I follow, like we have the best damn media creative team in, up there in world football as well. And it, it's different because we've seen all the shots of like, hey, the player's running and we get a great shot of that, an action shot. But like the, the kind of cinematic quality you're getting out of it, I think it's really um, impressive and different. And I think what I want to ask is just, uh, you you're touching on before about how uh, do you ever dream about taking the photo or writing the thing that kind of transcends and really <coughs> elevates culture itself like do you have a favorite photo that you feel like maybe does that or even gets close to that in the in the past two three years you've been shooting um i think for me you know like i'll start with the academy right like uh there was a kid named tommy mark that played with us mm. unfortunately passed away um yeah. but i believe it was the first time our academy played the galaxy academy um you know, I think he scored a hat trick that game. Mm -hmm. And there's a photo that I took where, you know, he scored a goal and he was, instead of running toward the camera and celebrating, he was like running toward his friends mm -hmm. and the crowd that was there. Yeah. Right. And I, he was, you know, running toward his friends. I captured the shot, whatever. I, I cropped it in a certain way. And that's, it's one of those things where like, you know, you just, that was, it just meant a lot. Like you can tell like what meant 
a lot to him, which is that like camaraderie, that team camaraderie. Like in in the shot, you can see like Rich is you know celebrating and Pat celebrating and all, like everybody's there just like kind of going wild yeah. and like that. That was one of the shots that really like stands out to me. Uh, is it and it's from it's it's him from the back, right? Yeah, it's him yeah. from the back. So you don't see his face. He's no. just running towards. Yeah. and in a way that I think like that's that's one of those unplanned, spontaneous. I could be wrong, but part of me thinks of that photo as flipped, and, it, and it's him from the front. There's like something that's like almost like too much attention. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of like mood and a different kind of like feeling, especially given to like what happens later. Like then you know, had you gotten this, I don't know. There's something like really poetic about about that photo. I, I agree with that. That's actually one of the ones I was thinking of that I really like. And there was another one. I think it might have been from the same game. I forget, but there was a kid named Eric, and he was. He was just dribbling the ball and like he was trying to split the defenders uh-huh. and but he put both of his arms out to kind of like push the galaxy defenders out of the way and here he is just kind of like dribbling the ball through them yeah um and thankfully you know i was just i was able to capture it and it was just one of those like to me it was just kind of symbolic of like you know we didn't have a team at the time but this is what we're trying to do right, right. Like we're trying to break into this market. We're trying to like separate ourselves. We're trying to push these guys out of the out of oh, the way, mm. and you know, create our own thing. And you know, that's one of those photos that really that I I love. You know, it's it's not first team. It's not Vela. It's you know these academy kids that are you know busting their asses every day, training and right. you know, um, you know, doing their thing. And um, yeah, and was, we we keep talking about that game, but it's so important because that's um, that. Academy game was the first time I saw a player rock our crest onto the field. And yeah. It was, you know, it was just a blank white Adidas kid with the crest and then the number on the back in gold. And it was just like, it was, it was wild, you know, seeing everything that's been so digital and that's, you know, the crest launch and all that. But to see it on a player was the first time I was on an Academy kid. Yeah. And like, that's, that's symbolic and beautiful and also like, I think it represents a lot of what we are. Yeah, that's like the, the documentation side, which mm-hmm. I thought like anyone who's seen the, that first photography book. What is it called? The title of the uh, inaugural season. Is that inaugural, all? Yeah, yeah. Inaugural season. season? Yeah. yeah, the inaugural season book, which I think they have at the team store. If you if you don't have a copy of it, but it's full of photos. I'm sure that you took and the team took. Um, and there are a lot of those like those images. For me, like the fo- like photography at its best captures a moment that can never happen again. Mm-hmm. That's a, it in and of itself is a fleeting moment. Something that like we all experience in our daily lives, like something that could happen to you. And it's just like for that moment is this instant that's almost like Im- unplaceable, like unsayable, never happen again. And if you can capture those moments on, on film, which is so difficult, like because you don't know when they're coming because they're ephemeral by nature. But like, yeah, I, I think I think it, I think it can happen during a game. It can happen during a player. A player who like looks a certain way, like in a certain moment that you don't know. Maybe that's not even like what they're usually like, but in that moment, you can get them in like some weird, something different. But and even taking a step back and just thinking about you know what we were trying to create, you can even stage photography, right? To really mm-hmm. kind of like set that tone and really like say what we're about. Like at the time, uh, you know, I was I'm still like really big into like street soccer mm. and so there's a shot where like it was before I believe our third black and gold rally and I took a photo of uh, a friend of mine named Kevin who's a street baller in an alley overlooking downtown LA right and that was just something that was just kind of like a like a couple days before it was just very spontaneous and things like that you know you can 
if you understand where you want to go and who's following you, um, you know, you can you can create moments like that that are somewhat manufactured, right, and really kind of resonate with people. Well, that's like back to the, like the inspiration from like Adidas and Nikes of the world and yeah, like certain ads exactly. that you've seen. What about the photo of the hat underneath the bridge crossing? I, who I believe is. That's Richard Roscoe. Rich that, in the photo. Right? And, and that was actually taken by uh, a guy named Nate Congleton in New mm-hmm. York. So before I even started with LAFC, there was a, uh, they had the Crest launch, and they flew Nate out, and he took a photo of Rich under, I believe it was Slauson Bridge, mm-hmm. with, that, with that hat. And that was, I mean, that's one of our iconic photos, mm-hmm. you know? So this is before you had gotten on the, into the LAFC universe. Let's let's start. Let's finish here with the beginning. But how remember, how did you get involved? Was the beta in San Jose your picture? Which one? When him like? Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that one was probably for, from this pick? season was probably my favorite. Yeah yeah yeah. We can we can awesome. do some more. Who did the faces of LAFC key photo with the dad and the the kid on the shoulders? Uh, that was Edgar. That's a great photo. I love that photo. Yeah, it's yeah. a phenomenal photo. With some other ones. You know, I think the the final result photos have been f- phenomenal lately. Like the, the when the final score comes in a game, mm-hmm. there's a, some shot. Yeah, they're like really well curated, well picked for that game. Yeah, like the mood is right with the resu- with the result and the. Well, shout out to Jeff Parrish, our graphic designer. Yeah, Always, yeah. he kills it. Yeah, he's the one selecting those. So. Yeah, those are those have been really good lately. Yeah, I think every I mean the team just keeps getting more and more sharp on on what they want, and what is a moment and. I think even the the kind of LAFC Zimmerman chant at the end, the more recent one that I saw was um, Zim was suspended, I think, and was in street clothes next to Mark, and then just like both of them going ham at at the 32-52, like fist pumping at them, and it just was like, it's such a crazy juxtaposition next to each other because Walker's in a, in a, in a sweater, mm-hmm. and Mark is in full black and gold attire, and they're just going ham together, and just like, that's, that's cool. Those are the moments that you can kind of plan around, but because like I think the man of the match is always the most stock one, right? It's gonna look kind of um, you like mix and match as much as uh, much as anything else. Like those moments where there's action of it, but it becomes a ritual at the point. And I think those kind of photos help even the players see like, oh shoot, like this is becoming a thing. It's a, it's a historic landmark. Kind you of know thing. that actually came about. But you know it's from Liverpool, right? So like I'm a big Liverpool fan. We were having such um, a good time. You know? I know. <laughs> Well, I wanted to get that in once before, the, before <laughs> this whole thing was up. But, um, yeah, so that that whole thing was, um, you know, like all, I follow Liverpool, and I noticed last season that Jurgen Klopp was, like, doing yeah. this hey, hey, hey chant. And we have this small, like, creative group. It was, like, me, Jeff, Marcus, um, Mark, one of our videographers, Yuli, Desi. Um, and I just texted everybody. I was like, this is really fucking cool. Like, we should you know, see if we can do this. Yeah. And then I texted Rich, and Rich is, you know, obviously, like, just super wide-eyed. As soon as, like, I saw him react to it, he's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and so um, he's like, he asked me, like, who do you think should do it? And I kind of thought about it for, like, 30 seconds, and I said Walker. Because Walker was just, like, he just seemed the most natural uh-huh. that would, be, like, be able to do it. Um, and thankfully, like, it worked out. Like, he's been, it's been one of, like, the stables of the North End. Mm-hmm. There's something, really defensive, there's something yeah. defensive about it. I think that fits him as, like, a defender, as, like, someone as a center back. There's something, like, he's the person doing that mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, they reason. held their house together, you know, and that's yeah. something that... 
luckily this season we can say a lot more times than not, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing. But the damn it, what was the question? I <laughs> Shit, I was thinking too much about Walker now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. It was something about a, photo, a photograph, I think. But you know, scrolling through my mind, scrolling through Instagram, they, some the LFC ideas come and stuff. go. I want to hear YLFC and all that stuff. I do want to hear that, but I, oh, there was a there, there, there. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Wulong's got me gone. <laughs> I get fouled up on tea, guys. That's what y'all don't understand. <laughs> this shit is like... This shit's really good. Mm. No, but let, let's let's hear that. I mean, I think you're... I, am, I don't take good photographs. I take awful photographs. There's a few people I know who take good photographs. But there's a lot of people, it seems like, that like taking photos. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, you have, like, the dream job of what would be so many people who probably listen to this podcast that like taking photos and love this club. Mm-hmm. Like, how does... How does this happen? How does Imad go from graphic design freelancer out in Europe traveling around, learning about the world, learning about himself, to LAFC? Tell us that that brief story to, to round out our pod this evening. I mean, I think just like anything, it's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of timing, right? And just being at the right place, right time, knowing the right people. Um, so I'll try to give you as fast of a version as I can. But oh, we got time, dog. Give time? us that long time. version. I mean, I got a Ben Cheese podcast. It's like two hours. Oh. So I'm going for like 220, <laughs> oh. 230, you know? Um, so I was... So my time with AG... You know, I would always pitch these ideas, right? And they would always, like, either get rejected or, like, really skewed in a very, like, corporate way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, over time, I kind of really started to figure out, like, how things worked in that corporate world, right? And knew how difficult it was to pass certain things. So, fast forward to 2016, um, LAFC launches their crest. I see it online. I actually saw it through uh, Urban Futsal, Ooh, right? Cool. And so at the time, I'd kind of been working with John, who, who owns Urban Futsal. And so I hit him up, and I, I said, like, I saw this crest, and I knew that if there was an organization that was willing to, like, let something that good, you know, out into the world, right? Like, I knew that from top down, like, they were just doing things right. Mm. Um, so you were about the crest from the jump. Like, you saw the crest. And absolutely. Like, Immediately, I knew I had to just get my foot in the door somehow. Mm-hmm. So I hit up John. I said, hey, listen, you know, if you can do anything for me to just connect me with anyone at LAFC, just, like, let me just try, right? So he's, like, he was more than accommodating. He's, like, yeah, like, I'll introduce you to, at the time, it was uh, Nikki and Marcus. Marcus, creative director. <coughs> so I went there. McDougald. McDougald. And so at the time, the academy was training there. And so I went there, I introduced myself to Marcus, and I, I shot photos, I sent them afterwards. And he's like, yeah, these are really good, like, come back. And so Marcus was really, like, the, the first person that kind of opened that LAFC door for me um, and really gave me that opportunity to just showcase what I could do and, you know, hopefully contribute to this you know, new project in some way. Mm. And so thankfully, like, he he invited me back. He said, hey, like, can you come, you know, next Tuesday or whatever, and can you shoot some photos? We need some content for the website, uh-huh. etc." And, you know, to his credit, like, I, I'm very, very persistent, and I, I wanted to be LAFC's guy. And unfortunately for him, like, I was bombarding him with emails, like, every other day. Mm. Like, I was super persistent. <laughs> and, I mean, he was really chill about it. And so... 
you know, the academy stuff at Urban Futsal eventually led to, you know, different events that they had, which eventually led to like, you know, the groundbreaking ceremony. And I would always just, you know, I would, I was always available to photograph whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. So, um, and thankfully, you know, Marcus saw enough in what I was doing that he said, okay, like this guy's a fit for LAFC. And I was, I freelanced with him all 2016 and I got hired 2017 full time. Mm -hmm. Persistence is key. Young photographers. Yes. Hopeful. Yes. Also, how to get girls naked for the photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm back, motherfuckers. <laughs> Purely consensual way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that. It's yeah, 2019, yeah. man. Yeah. Sam, consensual. please don't ever pick up a camera because you're going to get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> some, some bad stuff. Sorry, I don't have a steady hand. <laughs> yeah, so. I love that. I, lo I don't know. Just thinking of Slim with the camera. I was just trying to picture it right now. And like he doesn't, have a slutty, he doesn't have a slutty, uh, hey, steady hand. He's a character. I'm a gentleman. Because, no, because he just, starts like, he just starts like wiggling with the camera. I'm it's just a like, character oh. in the backyard. I'm also a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even finish the sentence. <laughs> uh, anywhere else to go, gentlemen? And on that note, this has been another episode of the SCFC pod. Thank you for being here. If you enjoyed it, leave a review. If you didn't enjoy it, blame a mod. Nah. <laughs> blame a mod. Hey, I almost got scared when the black dude was like really upset right outside the fence. Anyways, FCFC. have a great day, everybody. Peace. FSC. 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 FSC.